0: folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Easter Parade, directed by Charles Walters, The Cane Mutiny by Edward Dimitrik, Soylent Green by Richard Fleischer, Come On, Come On by Mike Mills, and newly released Moonfall, directed by Roland Emmerich. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Mr. Vincent Daly. How we doing, buddy? Hey, tell me Boy. How's it going? Uh, it's going real well. It's going real well. How was your uh, week of movies, man?
1: Uh, <laughs> week of movies was a little all over the map. Uh, uh, folks at home, as you hear, we're... Uh, having a hard time breaking even the 1980s, <laughs> and then we jump forward to 2021 and, and, and new releases. So uh, a little bit old over the map, but excited to talk about films nonetheless. Yeah,
0: I'm excited for the first two. Uh, I haven't seen them, and we're kind of on a uh, Fred Astaire kick. Mm-hmm. So let's start with that. We're back in, what is it, 1950? No, 1948. 1948. And this is Easter Parade, directed by Charles Walters.
1: Yes, uh, so a fairly famous film uh, in Fred Astaire's Fred Astaire's filmography. Uh, this was on my list because uh, it was the one and only pairing that we have with Judy Garland of, of course, Wizard of Oz, the original Stars mm-hmm. Born, and and a few other things. Obviously, a uh, you know a very very famous star in Hollywood, and just in the same way that I looked at Funny Face uh, last week uh, with. Basically, it's saying well, this is Audrey Hepburn's only film with Fred Astaire. Wanted to check this one out as well because I think when you think of Fred Astaire, he locks in with his partners, his dance partners, his showbiz partners, like a Ginger Rogers or something like that for many, many movies. I wanted to see why later on in his career, especially as Fred Astaire is. Flirting with the idea of retiring for a lot of these uh, later years, I believe "Blue Skies" is the film that he says I'm done with dancing.
0: Do you know some of the history of it? Of why it just literally. The-
1: I think it was uh, physiological because he has uh, later on in his life uh, an inability to dance because of how much in his life, you know, it probably was wear and so tear, literally on his just nose. the toll on his body. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, this is ballroom dancing, but this is also. Very intense dancing, a very yeah. intense choreography, in a lot of times. So, Absolutely, uh, yeah. So interesting. I wanted to bottom line. This was on my list. Uh, how we jump even backwards, uh, you know, earlier than Funny Face. Another one of those once and done type of type of movies. When it comes to this uh, story here, very very simple. Uh, you know, nineteen forty eight was uh, was a different time. Basically. It is a very simple musical. Fred loses his showbiz partner and has to find another. And <laughs> that's that's all you need. That's that's basically it. Let's talk about what I thought was a huge huge highlight, which is Judy Garland herself. She really makes a great performance here. I can't say I've ever seen The Original Stars Born. Okay. It's probably been forever since I've seen the original Wizard of Oz, we'll obviously be saving that for the Greatest Year uh, special. Absolutely. 1939. <laughs> 1939. So people know. Exactly. Uh, and uh, and I, I think she's she's not only like breathtaking on screen, uh, her voice, obviously, from her music chops, mm-hmm. uh, amazing. But I think what was so refreshing is she's Really got some good comedy chops, which is not always the case in these older films. The comedy is very dated a lot of the time. Is, you know, in a lot of scenarios, we have. It, certainly, old films, they're funny, but it, it's kind of. You're laughing kind of along with it. You're not really, like, gut laughing at it. And I'm not saying I was gut laughing at this film, it was more so. I was just surprised how much of a goofball Julie Garland was uh, Was comfortable making herself look in, in, in situations. And it was really refreshing for that reason because everyone is so prim and proper, uh, especially in even up into these late 40s uh, type of movies, these musicals.
0: Yeah, and it, I, I like how it, the fact that it came off natural is great too.
1: And and really works, yeah, like yeah. genuinely funny. Too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and that, that bit of a goofy character in her comedy performance actually does play a little bit in the storyline as well of the type of showbiz roles uh, she takes despite having this, I mean, this wonderful voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, really, uh, I wouldn't say maybe operatic, but I mean, really beautiful, beautiful voice. Uh, but it was it was really great time to uh, watch her on screen because I don't have a lot of watch time with her. And not only that, I think she did a phenomenal job. Oh, wow. Awesome. What it boils down to with these movies, though, with Fred Astaire, especially when it comes to the fact that the storylines, a lot of the times, are very simple. A lot of the times, I am of the belief that the romance of the rom-musical genre doesn't exactly break the mold. You know, it's very simple, kind of circling the drain. That right, right. it has been even a critique of some romance films, uh, even modern romance films that we, we've talked about semi-recently on the podcast. I think the standout segments, uh, for me, are always going to be watching the choreography and what we're here watching a Fred Astaire movie for is the dancing.
0: Right. And the dynamic with his main with his main kind of cohort on screen.
1: Yeah. And the big thing is
0: not that a simple movie can't be amazing or good either, or, mm-hmm. or you know, Sometimes with the older films, it's just – not only is it basic, but it's also not gripping in any any sort of way either. exactly. So what was the balance here with the choreography, with Uh, his chemistry and everything like that? Even though it was – I mean, like you said – Pretty basic story. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: very basic story. Uh, and, and I'll definitely get into the critique of that that story in, in in just a second. I think the highlights here is I'm happy to report that there are some real highlights in Fred Astaire's um, kind of dance catalog, if you will, uh, his his uh, his filmography of dance. A standout here is actually right in the opening segment. He has a really great dance number that he is uh, that that is based around stealing a toy uh, in a toy shop from a child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is great uh it's it's a great setup and uh i i think why it's so good in in my kind of growing expertise of watching Fred Astaire movies it, is, it translates his love of percussion. Mm. I mean, there are literal drums in the song and in this dance number, but his love of tap and percussion and using props in between to fill gaps in you know the if you will the storytelling yeah. in his tap dancing. Uh, really, He's a there master. Is, it is it's masterful, and he has a good standout. I mean, definitely worth. Watching if, if that's how, why you're watching Fred Astaire movies, like I particularly am watching Fred Astaire movies, this one is worth your time on that alone because it's, it, this one number right in the opening of the film is worth adding to that repertoire, that catalog of great Fred Astaire dances. Okay, so. awesome. That's good to know. He also does have a very technical one that is part of the show that they put on. I'm, I'm Forgetting the song title now off the top of my head. I don't know why I didn't write it down. Nonetheless, though, it is a- an interesting uh, number that he is dancing alongside of a big uh, musical production behind him, but he goes into slow motion. And mm. uh, as, I mean, one of my top and, and we'll be talking about this hopefully uh, in in some point in the podcast soon folks, my favorite numbers of Fred Astaire are gonna be the one where he combines his ideas of what he wants to do in the choreography and combining them with interesting film and cinematography, just just a or cool editing styles. The standout for me is always Royal Wedding with the with the tumbling set. In this one we have a interesting slow motion dance sequence where I believe the trick is Fred is being kind of rear projected almost like a background would be but in front of the audience. Okay. Huh. And it it, it it kind of works and it doesn't because uh, if you really want to think about it, how is that happening in real life you right, know, in right. the, if you were to be sitting in the audience? But uh, it is still a uh, – Fred is always thinking creatively on how to bring something new, bring something fresh to obviously a very crowded musical movie market mm-hmm. that is the late 40s and going into the 50s. You know, He has to freshen things up. He has to crack the mold a little bit. And that's where I think, you know, Fred is really has no competition when it comes to that because he's pushing the boundaries for himself. He's not being pushed by any of his peers or any of his competition that could be in that in that same category of masterful tap dancing and choreography. Right, right, sure. Uh, which I, I respect a lot because as an artist, clearly he's trying to always push himself forward and we see that once again in a standout segment of, uh, of this movie. Then. Yeah,
0: it's funny in the fact of almost being typecasted yeah but it's also being typecast because no one else has your like talent in the way that right. you do and yet right. he not that he reinvents himself like mm-hmm. with these films, mm-hmm. but he just continues to he, he continues to keep the attention of the audience, yeah, and it's different even though it's the same it's different and mm-hmm. it, that that's pretty cool to keep that up after so many decades
1: absolutely and and, and especially where you look at a musical, and it's going to be so much about the music, mm-hmm. uh, so much about the 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 musical performances. The fact that his tap dancing I could describe like an action sequence, almost that it breathes life into the film. It's a
0: visual know. joy, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly.
1: There's there's something phonetic about it. There's something um, uh, electric, you know. Uh, that that is that is really what I think I love, and and glad to see that this movie uh, has some standouts to add to the once again that catalog of if I had to. Uh, almost in a very clickbaity way, you know the the best Fred Astaire dances. You know, <laughs> I I have now watched so many films that I can say heads or tails. Is this something worth your time? Is this something that is? Uh you know, uh, uh, worth watching for Fred specifically. Right, right. So, I, I would say where I want to wrap things up is uh, while the dancing and choreography is a big step up from something like Funny Face that we just watched last week, <laughs> the romance <laughs> is not a step up and a much more simple, simple plot. It, it's pretty much boils down to, uh, you know, oh, well, I thought there, there was one thing and, and actually I'm in love. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's It's, it's <laughs> It's very, you know, late forties <laughs> okay. and, and early fifties in that way, which again I can't stress is it's not necessarily a problem. But if my creative goal or my objective for how I'm rating movies is how much is this worth your time in the present day in in watching this, uh, there there's there's not much uh, there's 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 it's lacking a dynamic nature for me to say oh this is something you know. You know, you timeless, you can watch at any moment. And and that's where some of these romance, when they grow weaker, it's not that the romance or the performances are bad. And not that I'm particularly knocking something that's just simple and straightforward. You know, it's a musical. It's not really trying to be a drama in any sort of way. So I understand what it is. It's more so... It's how it's executed and how I came off uh, feeling from the plot. You know, if if that simple stakes, that simple kind of kerfuffle and the romance is going to be the whole plot. Yeah, well, I mean, is is that really worth it? You know, that that's where I'm kind of coming, Luke. Yeah,
0: especially again, and because we're in the here and now, we're sitting exactly. down and watching it now. Exactly. What is the feeling on this? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, uh, you know, I, to be fair, I think a lot uh, of these movies have this aspect of weak romance, weak plot. Uh, And my ratings are always more about the musical aspects, the dance aspects, the choreography. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it was so especially light in this movie and so especially like... Christ, like just communicate and like the problem is solved. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's like oh he's my <laughs> dance partner but I love him now. You know, it's so <laughs> so, so theatrical and and uh, and very needless. And really despite how adorable, cute, uh, you know, gorgeous Judy Garland was on screen, uh, I think again it's 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 a good movie, definitely above average. I'm not coming up much higher than that. So, we're going to go ahead and give uh Really, the classic Easter parade, a 67. Okay, yeah,
0: 67, good movie, very good movie. Mm-hmm. I think that works, you know, and as far as we have Fred Astaire, a pretty decent Fred Astaire flick as well.
1: Yeah, I I, I I, think the main thing I want to get across is that there are segments in here to offset a very simple plot, and those segments are, you know, him again, once again just always adding to this repertoire mm-hmm. of... Mm-hmm you know every dance number is worth seeing in its own right you know and that and that's i think the 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 juice for the squeeze i think that's what he gets out of being Challenging himself creatively uh, to always be advancing, you know. I mean, there's there's much more than just pushing and, and, the envelope and
0: bring there. something different. Yeah, bring something different to the audience mm-hmm. that they haven't that they haven't seen before. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. All so- right. So sixty-seven, great score. Uh, well, very good score for for Easter Parade. Mm-hmm. We're gonna jump ahead. That was forty-eight. So we're jumping ahead now six years. So we're gonna do the Cane Mutiny. <laughs> And uh, what made you what, what made <laughs> a, you go here? A great here? question, Tom. I, you know, I was uh, <laughs> <laughs> A
1: great question. I was asking myself this as well. So, so folks, I knew I was going to have to watch a a a big big blockbuster. And that is of course Moonfall. Uh and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to keep up with blockbusters and, and new movie releases. Let me get something classic in there. This was on my list alongside of, like, Moby Dick with Orson Welles. And you know, and this is, of course, Humphrey Bogart in, in The Cane Mutiny as well. Let me tell you, though, Tom, I have never had a movie challenge me this much as a reviewer what? yet. <laughs>
0: what? Challenge you in what way?
1: Uh, in me thinking... That it's bad, <laughs> and i i and and there's not much value here okay. to, to <laughs> watch it in the present day. I was having a existential crisis over this movie because <laughs> you know i I really enjoyed how the podcast and doing this has has challenged what I watched has challenged me in the type of I, of how I'm looking at maybe a mundane movie or a movie that I don't I, that I as an audience member wouldn't see on my own. Right. So I, I, I enjoy how this podcast and doing this critically with you has pushed me in you know basically taking this from a hobby to something um, a bit more professional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To to kind of a creative endeavor and, and 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 a challenge and a kind of a workshop in that way. Man, this is uh, this movie challenged me in a way because. It, you know, it's it's Humphrey Bogart. It is an Oscar, I think Oscar nominated. I, I could be okay. wrong. It is a classic movie by by every extent
0: right pretty well known i I when you first said it, I didn't recognize it mm-hmm. and looking at it I, I I did yeah it sparked something in my brain just like okay I had heard about this but yeah it's, uh, nominated for seven Oscars
1: yeah uh <laughs> and I can't tell you folks I mean you watch this film and there is just like tonal whiplash I did not like this film at all wow okay uh, and believe me I like old movies we've been talking about Fred Astaire movie you know what I mean i it's it's not that I was um kind of blocked out of this or yeah anything of course, like of that. course. That, you know, believe me, I was approaching it with the with the same eyes. Uh, You're actually excited did. for it, exactly. Yeah. yeah, this was supposed to offset Moonfall, and <laughs> <laughs> by the end, I was hoping. Oh, I, I hope Moonfall's worse. Uh, <laughs> let me let me crack into it a little bit. So we have a very '50s movie, uh, just extremely, extremely '50s. When I say tonal whiplash, this movie is probably three fifths a comedy. Uh, it's very lighthearted. It's oh, very like okay. a. Up while you work, and uh, uh, it, it's 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 odd, uh, because obviously, by the title, the cane mutiny, uh, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler, but there's a mutiny coming, folks, <laughs> uh, <so laughs> and Humphrey Bogart is in this, so it, it's it's very odd that the the type of the genre mashing here, the uh, the the combination of comedy, drama, and then what eventually is uh, the good part of the film, which is this this courtroom style military court martial. Uh, it's just like all over the place, and it just not worth it uh, fr- by my by my book. I it made me question very heavily, and I was trying not to go too far back in the ratings. How many? How many movies in the fifties do we really have? Like nineteen fifties, mm-hmm. do we really have on on the ratings? Uh, I I was scratching my head. I know maybe obviously some John Wayne will be there, right? Um, right. I, I I was I was. But it's pretty to, li- it's pretty I, light. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty light because I have very early. I would say main driver being Fred Astaire. Right. Uh, right. A you know seventies, eighties, nineties, totally fleshed out. You know, I think I have a very good. You know, especially when sci fi is concerned, but. Yeah, I was just scratching my head. I was like, maybe I just don't like fifties movies. Maybe there's something here, and and I will say it is. It is definitely going to be something that I'm going to be chipping away at slowly because I, I want to explore that for myself even.
0: Yeah, absolutely and we and I think we can still fill out some 30s and 40s as well mm-hmm. but the, yeah it's interesting the 50 the 50s on its own The 50s specifically I think,
1: I think we should put some meat on the bone there exactly. I think it, it's
0: definitely light It's yeah. for sure light. I
1: have some old B movies like uh, I think uh, day the earth starts still and like some some sci-fi old like that's uh, some classics. Exactly. classics but
0: it would be nice to get yeah get into the getting get into the 50s a little bit exactly I mean, you picked a good one if you look at the credentials of it.
1: Exactly, And that's why this was on my list. It was almost like a no-brainer. Right, right. I almost came into this movie thinking this was low-hanging fruit and saying, okay, I'm going to have an easy, good movie to rave and rant about, you know, to offset Moonfall that is coming (laughs) up. <laughs> boy, was I wrong. And just enjoy
0: a good movie oh, from the 50s.
1: Boy, was I wrong, Tom. <laughs> uh, this movie, for having a title with the word mutiny in it, uh, is surprisingly lighthearted. Uh, we follow Van Johnson and Robert Francis who are uh, basically just newly recruited officers uh, aboard a a naval ship that is is rarely deployed. It's like a minesweeper. It does see some action eventually, but it is... Very laid back and a sloppy ship. This results in like the goofy, lighthearted tone that everyone's still a hero. It is very 50s. It is very patriotic. And I, and I don't have a problem with that. But again, it is such a total whiplash when we have <laughs> almost slapstick humor being paired with what eventually turns into... Uh, war a, drama? Not even a war drama, but like a really like by the books brass tax courtroom court martial. Uh, like it is about law and it is about how a mutiny is conducted. Right, and like, right. Yeah, very odd. I would say again, if I have to pinpoint why this was tonal whiplash, it's how the comedy is layered in, and this is nowhere worse than with Humphrey Bogart himself. He plays a mm. captain. That is just flat out incompetent, flat out annoying to watch on screen. uh, And believe me, like I I love Humphrey Bogart. He is uh, the moment I saw him on screen. You just, uh, I almost got chills because it's like he's he's such a presence on screen. He's such a good actor. Definitely one of those classic actors that maybe there's not a lot of range, but like, wow, his one thing that he does is just so tremendously amazing. But this this three-fifths of the movie that it's in this lighthearted military day-in-the-life drama, almost like Mikhail's Navy a little bit, like, oh, these are the misfits, you know. Okay. We're not getting deployed, so right. why, you know, <laughs> why take <laughs> care of the ship? And it, it's, you know, these parts are just the worst. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it honestly... It just plays out like a work environment with like a bad boss. Man, there's just just no joy in seeing Humphrey Bogart acting here because it's not like he is this um,
0: competent human being.
1: Yeah. It's not like, (laughs) it's not like the anger or the conflict he has with the crew is driven by. Wow. Oh man. He is, he is by the book and he is uh, scary and intimidating, but he is, you know, the real deal. Mm -hmm. No, he's just incompetent. He's, there's no joy in it because he just makes bad decisions and then just gets frustrated. It really reminded me of just like bad work environments through my <laughs> through my life and I was like no this is not great. And again I can't stress enough that like Bogart's Bogart's character it's just annoying to watch on screen. I don't think there's enjoyment in watching such a cool character in how he talks, in how he carries himself, just kind of crumble in every scenario. Uh, and it's just – it really left a bad taste in my mouth.
0: Yeah, it's weird. And how much of the – like how much uh, screen time did he eat up? Are we following him? I mean –
1: He probably – I would say of that three-fifths, he comes in at two-fifths. Okay. Uh, and then he'll he'll pop out for a little bit but then comes back in for the big finale. I would say – He's, he's, he's in well over half of the movie. Okay. Uh, because he is the focus. Right, 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 Of the conflict on, on, on screen and, and what the crew has a problem with him over. So uh, I would say once we get into what I think the movie wants to be about, two fifths of it kind of comes into this rule book military drama with court martial and everything. And this is where finally the movie gets good. Uh, and I would say, if there's anything to, uh, for its Oscar nominations and, and and you know the legacy of this is one of the the great Humphrey Bogart movies, I think it's in this court martial segment because they are really down to the book of. What are the actual rules of mutiny? The you know what are the what are the qualifications? The cross examination that happens here, uh, throughout the entire time, I was saying this is just few good men. This mm. is just okay. You know, sure, you can't I mean, handle the truth as far as structure, or rather, uh, vice versa. You know, few good men is like Cain mutiny, right? Right. Uh, in, in structure.
0: Yeah, the parallel. I mean, huge parallels there
1: huge and uh, honestly it's been I, mean, I don't even think few good men is rated uh so i it's it, i have not watched it critically so that that's right, right. now on my list you know so <laughs> don't get me wrong watching this film though a little painful has blossomed into <laughs> more ammunition for talking about new films but you know these parts this this court martial part has a lot going for it uh, especially the realistic cross-examination uh, and some great courtroom action, which, Tom, you know I'm not the, the biggest fan of. I was going to make of. a comment
0: on this. No, typically you are not a fan of courtroom scenes. Yeah. I don't yeah. like them at all.
1: Exactly. Uh, and I think but, why it worked here is because, it, I mean, they're really getting down dirty into you know the actual legality of it. It was very realistic for that reason, which is – Something so rare in, yes. in any kind of portrayal of, of and a it. Honestly, scene. that
0: even could go more to the point of just like it. Also, could, it also could sound really, really boring as well. <laughs> right. Not only is a courtroom drama scene, but it's also realistic. It's like, oh jeez, how dry is it? Uh, but right. if you're dealing with the military and dealing with something as, as far as a mutiny is concerned, yeah, you, fa- you was- found yourself relatively. Entertained and absolutely and, okay. I-, I can in on appreciate
1: it. the realism, and 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 maybe if I wanted to be cynical, I was uh, so starved for something of substance, so yeah, starved yeah, yes. for you know where these Oscar nominations were coming from. <laughs> uh, it's a great razzle dazzle, is, is my point though, uh, and almost how we would have a razzle dazzle at the at the end of a big dumb action film. This courtroom scene is a razzle dazzle to distract you from the very very. Uh, non-landing very dated 50s uh, chin-up patriotic comedy uh it's not even really that funny but it is definitely comedic in tone from you know how the the score is set up and 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 the uh the cues the musical hits and stingers you know that razzle dazzle is great but it's it's just too late and honestly adds to the tonal whiplash of what the hell was this movie focusing on i think well,
0: yeah Well, I'm just saying because of the whole mutiny and everything like that, I think it makes sense to have an incompetent captain. Sure. But if you're watching – there's such a difference between it being incompetent or something Mm -hmm. like that on a ship. That's causing for mutiny and then just just watching kind of – I don't want to say an idiot because it's just – It is.
1: Oh, it's for sure. It's office level idiocy. Like it is really yes, it's bad. Okay. And and then Y-y-y-y-y-y-y. and then it's what's terrible about it is like obviously has to, you know, can't be all comedy. There has to be then conflict with the crew. Bogart is just then so defensive about it it honestly it feels like a like a toxic work environment and it's it doesn't come off in a good way. It, like I don't like it at all. It's terrible. And I'm sorry Humphrey Bogart, I uh, don't haunt me. <laughs> don't haunt the ghost of Humphrey Bogart. But yeah, like I said, um, you know, this lighthearted tone, I think it is a product of safe 50s Hollywood. This is 54. I think I think it would be a little bit contradictory if I was to incorporate too much of a situational awareness of this film in its time. Again, we are viewing in this in the present day. How much is it exactly. worth your time in the present day? That is something to note, though. Uh, and, and definitely, if I had to maybe counterbalance to why the juggling of comedy and seriousness <clears throat> in such a in such a you know drastic way, this film would maybe get some Oscar recognition. That that's definitely there. Uh, but I would still argue that. It's just a just a total mismatch for the conclusion that the film gives us. Like I said, Humphrey Bogart's ghost. Please don't haunt me in my sleep. We're going to give the <laughs> Kane Mutiny a 39. Ooh, boy. I'm telling you, not worth it and, you know. Controversial.
0: Yeah, the way you were talking about it, I was like, oh, we got a teens here? Do we have a hum- no, Humphrey no. Bogart Ho- teens? Uh, Thank God not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but, yeah, going into it thinking you're going to be watching this historic classic exactly. or just something that... Again, when you see the Oscar nods, you know what I mean. It'd be interesting for to sure. see the other films on that year. For sure, It's fifty four for itself,
1: a, and a good amount of universal praise too. I mean, this this yeah, landed yeah. on my on my film list probably around the time. I mean, this is going back to when you and I were just you know doing it for the sake of it. Sure. Probably around the time that I jumped into like a Casablanca or something like that, and did a lot of classic movies like that. And I was looking for more standout performances from Bogart because he really is a presence on screen, but wasted wasted <laughs> presents wasted opportunity
0: okay well hey at 39 that's okay you know it's going to happen let's i mean i'm, I'm inter- <laughs> you're
1: trying to you're trying to like coax me down it's all right yeah okay know.
0: but you know 39% you know for the cane mutiny that's <laughs> all not right. worth it well let's see how your week continue to get then we kind of have another classic i mean it i don't know if i would say This is more of a cult following than a classic, I guess you would say. Uh,
1: Yeah, I think so. So we're in
0: 1973 now, and this is Soylent Green. Yes. And uh, what do we have? What was your reasoning for picking this one?
1: So yes, uh, so the year is 2022, uh, and this sci-fi is a very low-tech world uh, plagued by critical overpopulation. I have a rotating list of... When sci-fi is set in years coming up, and guess what? We are now in 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, this film stars Charlton Heston, plays a detective in this broken world uh, that kind of basically just stumbles across cover-up after cover-up connected to the mass production of food. Related to this Soylent type of um, branding, I, I gotta say, especially <laughs> where we're public now, we're not just talking on the the couch, Tom. This is not the current real company of Soylent, <laughs> so, so no, no slander. We're, we're yeah, totally separate. You know? So it is uh, completely different. But that that's what landed this on my on my radar this this 2022 time period and. I'm always looking for the sci-fi gem. I am always yeah, on the prowl for Well, that. it's so
0: cool that it hits. I mean, it's 73, and it's talking about the year twenty, you know, 2022. Exactly. that's like, awesome that, you know, start yeah. the year out like this, really. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I
1: think the standouts are how low-tech the world is. Uh, it almost mm. pushes the boundary of calling it sci-fi, and you could probably just call it like a dystopian type of – detective story, or dystopian noir, if you will, I think that's probably the standout for me, because you could so easily make it a, you know, we we talked about THX uh, not too long ago, and and many films in this era of late 60s, early 70s, that it is a utopian world, there's a very realistic tone to Soylent Green. In that overpopulation defines it, I believe, right in the opening credits, it says New York is 400 million or something like that. Okay. Which, obviously, in 73 is is outlandish. You know, it's outlandish now, yeah. but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe 2042. Uh, but, <laughs> but a lot of time is put into highlighting how truly shitty the quality of life has become. And the constant, or, or rather, the well, the the constant contrasting that the film does is with simple pleasures, basically putting our characters up against coming across maybe a little bit of meat, uh, a jar of jelly, mm, mm-hmm. hot water, ice, uh, and just being so stunned by it. Okay, I think it it works and it doesn't. I think it's a little hammy in parts. There's, I wouldn't say overacting, but um, I don't know. I, I just I, – I don't know if a little it's – over the top. Yeah, I don't okay. know if it sticks. I guess I, I just kind of want to talk it through. I don't know if it sticks of having uh, Heston come across a glass of ice and acting the way he does – Mm. That he would never encounter ice in his entire life, where the timeline just doesn't make sense like that. Okay. And believe me, I'm going granular because this movie is calling itself a sci-fi. Uh, so if it's trying to be that science fiction, I think it opens itself to up uh, to you know kind of critical examination like that. It is. Mostly visually striking and really works best when you have scenes of hundreds of extras. Yeah, it's just selling that theme of overpopulation, selling that that scrappy, uh, struggling quality of life that everyone is living. Uh, it's not so much in when they're drawing contrast to, oh, some people have it good and look how rare this is. That's where it doesn't work for me. Where it does work is just how... Crappy the lows are because I still think it is visually striking to see on screen, especially in seventy three. a cat, right. uh, you know, uh, you know, live action sets of hundreds. I mean, like probably a good four hundred people in, in this one. That's in, awesome. Yeah, that's uh, really
0: that's actually really cool.
1: I think that's where it stands out, and definitely probably the biggest highlight uh, of watching and Green today, where. Very easily, that could be so outclassed with modern uh, technology, CGI, you know, so. Acting is real odd, though. (laughs) You know, I just think, uh, I don't know, maybe I gotta open my eyes a little bit with old acting, (laughs) (laughs) I can't put my finger on this one. I I don't really understand the rules of cops in this world, Okay, uh, which is important because if if Heston is going to be this this detective noir, I think we need to understand the rules and boundaries of our characters, uh, and it seems way loosey-goosey. You know, he will lose his mind over something that conflicts with his view of justice, but... Also sleep with a murder victim's wife. I I, I don't I don't quite understand the uh, the back and forth of it. But uh, nonetheless, I mean it's it's where this is worsened is the performances that Heston has to bounce off of. Uh, Charlton Heston himself is doing a great job. Uh, we have one other character, his uh, kind of a father figure. I think his, the character's name was Soul Roth.
0: Soul Roth by Edward yes. by Edward uh, Edward Robinson. Yeah, I, I don't know the actor. Right, but, right.
1: Uh, I'm sure. You know he's been in, in in a good amount of stuff. You know, just uh, every classic actor honestly right, has right. been. You know, but I think everyone else, the word that comes to mind is flat performances. He's he's not having this volley. Mm. He's not having you know he's giving a lot in sequences and and just it's, a he's lot of... a return or anything exactly. like that.
0: So it wasn't that the acting was necessarily well, maybe it was bad acting. I don't know. For some reason, I, I was. Thinking that this might have like a, a weird goofiness to it because of some mm. th- some things can be over the top or something, but sure. you weren't quite getting that. You were just getting like these characters are falling flat.
1: Yeah, if anything, I wish there was some overacting to sell the type of contrast that the movie wants to ser- clearly of like sell. Just hysteria and yeah. also
0: just like complete ruins. And you know my boys in this too. Who who's your boy? The Rifleman. Chuck oh Con- really? Yeah, starring Chuck Connors. <laughs> I guess-
1: no idea yeah like,
0: t- uh, tab fielding or felding or something like that oh
1: yes he's muscle actually you know what I that makes sense because they give him a good amount of action sequences oh that's good that's yeah. good yeah. I don't know. usually I'm, I'm quicker with that stuff I look out for that stuff <laughs> that's great but yeah I think there's just um, there's a lack of volley it's a shame because I think Heston is selling the ideas of this world the extras oddly enough are selling the ideas of this world right. it's the secondary performance performances is supporting, supporting roles and performances so. yeah i think you know maybe it, this could be remedied by a little bit better communication about the rules of this world and again I, i'm stressing this so much just because there's some things that our characters do that are just jarring and i don't think make sense even in, the in, this exactly. in this crazy world,
0: in this crazy world, still doesn't work
1: exactly. Um, yeah, for instance, you know, cop, law enforcement, uh, they have a lot more power mm-hmm. uh, in their agency. Just, just certain things that are done, it just makes me scratch my head. It's like, well, this doesn't even feel like it's set up in in the rules of, of this world. But again, the reason why I'm sticking so much on this is that if you're going to be crafting a environment, if you're going to be crafting a reality uh, to science fiction, I. I think the logic of the world has to make sense because that's basically your hook to caring about. Well, and the if anything, you,
0: once when you set it up, you stick to it exactly. If you, you know what are the you know what are the rules of this world, and once mm-hmm. you set that up, I mean, if you're breaking that, that's not a good thing.
1: Yeah, and maybe, maybe more balanced is is it's just that it's weak. Uh, you know, it has right, a weak, right, okay. Commitment to it, but uh, still, that know. doesn't work. Then exactly. it's taking you
0: out of it. I mean, if you're scratching, if you, there's moments where you're kind of taking you out of the film, and you're just like. Okay, wait. So, okay, so the cops are not what I thought. Like, okay, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That's not good. You don't want that.
1: Exactly, especially when there's. You know concepts of state delivery of food and dealing with overpopulation. You know, there's there's things that the film definitely wants to tackle. You know, it's not right. It's not avoiding it by any means. So I, I just thought it was interesting because uh, again, it was challenging me as as uh, you know now in this role to to review films and critically analyze them. You know, I'm not bringing this type of critique up with. Easter parade, you know. I'm not questioning the logic of it. It's with sci-fi specifically, and it goes back to uh, last week or two weeks ago with Finch, Mm -hmm. that, you know, same kind of weak commitment to its rules of the world. If it's a sci-fi story, you have to establish it, and that is the backbone of of how our characters operate. Yeah,
0: no, 100%, absolutely.
1: So, really, when it comes down to it, I think overall this has some very good detective work, and in ways... Could maybe be seen as a proto-neo-noir like a Blade Runner. Uh, obviously, it's nowhere near to the tech of Blade Runner, but it right. has similar vibes that... You know, he's kind of, yeah, he's law, but he's also kind of a grifter, and he's kind of, you know, moving, you know, throughout the city and tasting the local fare, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, it has Blade Runner vibes, for sure.
0: That's pretty, that, I mean, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. just the fact that you're saying, like, where you're saying, oh, this one doesn't have the tech, obviously, is Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're in a futuristic world. hmm that and you're saying the tech is very low. Mm-hmm. That's cool that it didn't detract from it. It seems like it, you weren't bothered by the fact that there <laughs> no, was lack, lack of tech.
1: Absolutely, and if anything, there's a highlight because this film goes in such a different direction for that. You know, it it's pretty is, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really the sole highlight of why I think this movie is worth watching in present day because it could so easily be plastic white uh, furniture and you know. You know, uh, little blocks that are food and very Star Trek style design to everything. Yeah, it's true. That's there, but the emphasis is put more on just extras, really dingy sets, very overcrowded, and again, it's it's all in service to sell this concept of just critical overpopulation yeah, yeah. is the sci-fi horror or the sci-fi dystopia. Yeah, very cool. That, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, overall, though, I mean, as as cool as the concept is, it, it kind of. Uh, flubs the execution uh, because there's just uh, weak stakes. Uh, mm. the The punch and the shock of this film, I think, has also really diminished significantly with time. You know, while I enjoy it as a heavy, heavy-handed sci-fi fan, and really enjoying watching older sci-fi, good or bad, because I, I like watching the building blocks and how they were working creatively to tell new stories in the late '60s and early '70s. Uh, Unfortunately, this leaves me with a a weak recommendation Mm. to watch in 2022. (laughs) Uh, We will go ahead and give Soylent Green a 46.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping for a little bit
1: better. Uh, Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff here, but... the execution isn't there. Yeah, yeah. And it really ends out of nowhere. Of course, no spoilers. But just like, I was like, what? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So.
0: Yeah, that's the same. And maybe if the act, I mean, when you have, it's great that Charlton Heston was great. Mm -hmm. But if that's all that is good to be seeing. Yeah. If he's the only good actor or good, you know, if you had no decent supporting role to have that ping pong, that back and forth kind mm-hmm. of, you know, that that drops it off immediately. Absolutely. Absolutely. So all right, so forty six, uh, kind of middle of the road for Soylent Green. Yeah, uh, to uh, topical I... in its own right, though, because again, it's it's a seventy three movie talking about twenty twenty two, which exactly. is always fun. Yeah, always and, fun. But and
1: I'll continue to watch these as as the years progress like that, you know. But I, you know, really, the, what I'm looking for is the rare gem. I'm looking for the Solaris that I just, you know. Ah. I find out of nowhere. The original one, by the way. Not the um... the George Clooney one. (laughs) Uh, But like an old sci-fi like that that I'm finding It's just like, wow, how did I not know about this? And more importantly, this is, you know, a top tier film. Right, right. So.
0: All right, cool. All right. So 46 for Soylent Green. We're jumping really far ahead here. We're in this year, not quite in theaters. It's out of theaters, Mm -hmm. but it's a 2021 release. And the movie is Come On, Come On.
1: Yes. Uh, another black and white uh film this year, uh in the year of Black and White. Yeah. We of course had Macbeth, we had Belfast, and even actually a re-release of Nightmare Alley in theaters in black and white. Oh I was uh, not aware of that, yeah, really. Yeah. I thought it was it was interesting. So I mean it
0: definitely is a topical type thing going yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, granted, you know, two of those are coming from A twenty four. This is an A twenty four release as well. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they're just They they hit it big with Lighthouse and like all right we're going in on it you know this (laughs) is what we do now yeah just just something to note because I think you know some people could not like the black and white aspects Uh, unlike uh, Lighthouse or even Macbeth uh, not seeing really a a huge reason for this to be black and white uh, creatively. I did really love this film. Uh, I am a sucker for this type of story. This is Walking Phoenix playing a, a a interview storyteller. It reminded me of almost like an NPR or, or a Snap Judgment, you know, style of like storytelling. Okay. through audio logs. Like a, yeah, radio. Or, um, yes, journalists. Yeah, exactly. And. His character is a little bit broken, honestly. Almost every character is a little bit broken in yeah. this. Uh, I watched this before Cain Mutiny, and it was just so funny to go to Cain Mutiny, and then like everyone's just like up, chin up, and you know, are like everyone has depression in this film. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he, walking uh, Phoenix, is estranged with his sister and ends up reconnecting with her uh, through his nephew, uh, through his nephew, through her her son. The performance here is right. Where I wa- want Joaquin, it is melancholy. Uh, I enjoy him in this type of role a lot. I am a huge fan yeah. of the Spike Jones film *Her*, which I feel has probably the closest vibe to how Joaquin is just kind of fighting some demons and whatnot on the inside, and but still moving. Like that's forward. Joaquin. You know what I mean? He, he has that vibe. It about might be him. the dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it might and, just be Joaquin.
0: Uh, compared to the Master, also like. Oh sure, sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, yeah, I, I I just really I I really like what he's doing here. It feels great, especially after the return of Joker, which was I I mm. love Joker. It just it, I I don't know. I I just I want Joaquin doing roles that I feel like he wants to do, and this felt like that. At least, at least from you know my okay. audience perspective. Yeah,
0: that. could you say that it matched the melancholiness that Joker had as well, or no, it did different and better? Uh,
1: different and better, for sure. Okay, right. uh, Yeah, because Joker, I just think, was stylized for its melancholy, oh, okay, sure. yeah. where this is more so trying to deal with the actual drama and the stakes behind these Much characters. more real world exactly. as well. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, much more playing that out. But, insane, I feel like we've been talking about kid actors way too much in the last it's six just, Yeah, it's just been coming up a decent amount. Uh, the kid here, uh, I believe it is Woody Norman. Is that right? Woody Norman, yeah. Woody Norman, yeah. Uh, I wrote that down, but it didn't sound right when I, <laughs> when I read it there. Good old Woody. Good old Woody. Uh, uh, he is playing a extremely eccentric role. This is very challenging. At first, it wasn't sitting well with me at all. My my no-go kid radar was going off. Okay. Um, I, I think this, this role even challenges the rule right on the nose of what I want a kid actor to be. I want real kids. I do not want kids acting, if that makes sense. I want Florida Project. I want kids ah. being kids. I don't want kids playing roles. This very plainly is a kid playing a role it is a kid huh. acting and not only that a very eccentric uh, type of role i mean the, the the child in this uh buddy i believe is, is, is his character his name is it's buddy and johnny i think
0: uh he uh, he's jesse
1: jesse jesse i mean it is grating there there's a lot there that um if you're not into kid actors and i, I oddly enough i would almost include myself in on this uh, this, is, this is kind of walk on eggshells approaching this one. I will say, though, it sold me by the end. I think the credit goes to just the balancing act of a lot of factors. Go ahead, though.
0: Yeah, so, so I would say t- flirting with not being good because the acting wasn't good or because it's weird to see a kid acting the way he was. Like, the essential, Like mm. what, what, what was it that was bothering you? Was he a bad actor?
1: No, I don't think the kid was a bad actor. They strategically cut away from when he ever has to cry. We never see him like really cry. Okay. uh, Which I think was, was, was smart. Um, but what
0: was that? That like you said, the first half or something like that. What was yeah. gnawing at? You? What, what was
1: the role is so out there? This kid, the, the character itself.
0: Right. Okay. Gotcha. It would be
1: grading if an adult was playing it. Is, so th- okay. Uh, that's yeah. what I was
0: getting at. Is it the is it the actor or the character? The character. Character. Okay.
1: Yes, uh, and that in combination with having to be you know performed as of you know from mm. a kid, mm-hmm. you know it's a lot again, to ask for. Yeah, I was watching it and I was like. I think this works, and um, thankfully, by the end, I I believe it does work. Okay, uh, but there is a little bit of some buy-in that you need in the beginning, uh, some startup, if you will, before you're really attached to it. Uh, and
0: no we well, 're prepared for it now that you're just saying that, maybe you know people yeah. that are going to go watch this afterwards can at least be a little bit prepared exactly qu- be, be prepared even quicker, yeah
1: yeah, I, I think there 's a lot of praise to this film and and uh we 'll get into where I really do again, like I said in the beginning i I, I love this film it 's just that i I have to be realistic and kind of give almost if you will kind of a trigger warning <laughs> to to bad kid acting <laughs> it 's just that the character is so out there, and again, if I have to. Give credit. I'm I'm amazed that it works in the first place, but I think it gives credit to an equal split of director, script, casting, and kid. It's okay, that kind of. It's a it's a four part uh, you know melding of everything that could work. And definitely everything that could have gone, you know, horrifically bad and yeah. sunk this movie and for easily that too. Oh, that... very easily. Because yeah. again, you know, uh, this kid is just playing such a such a intentionally grading role. Yeah. Uh, uh, very very demanding. A little little tough, but uh, pays off at the end. A quick note: I love how texting is presented. This definitely is uh, more mm. of a brownie point for me. I am always a. Fan of watching how texting is portrayed on screen Uh, ever since watching House of Cards and original run of that. I I, I love seeing how different directors tackle how. It's funny. Uh, it's, it's something you know, new to deal with in the, in the past 10 or 15 years. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, I, and I always appreciate it when it's not just shot, reverse shot of phone and then screen reaction. We want them on at yeah. the same time. So mix it up. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it is, uh, it is. it was a plus for me. And I'm not saying it's groundbreaking, but it proposes a very simple solution that we just have uh, almost closed captioning of the text message mm-hmm. on the bottom. But it's just so simply communicated. You get it. Right right away and not only that probably the most important point why I follow this as a film watcher is how do we present texting with acting on screen you know let's not ah. dro- let's let's have how it is in real life, you read a text message, your face is reacting yeah. to whatever you're reading. That is never going to fly with shot-reverse-shot. We need to see that first reaction while still communicating, obviously, what the character is reading. So uh, a little bit of a brownie point there. I would say a big quarter of this film and where I come into a very positive rating on this, is that this film is interwoven with the interviews uh, with real kids throughout the story, uh, with Joaquin playing his character in this. I would say, um, if I wanted to be, you know, really get my knives out and really be critical, to be fair, this structure is ripped directly from Nomadland. Oh, uh, it, okay. The, the type of... We have a story that's interwoven to real characters, yeah. or rather, I'm sorry, real people in interview segments specifically, and then our main lead acting within those interview segments as our character. I mean, I wasn't too hot on Nomadland for a a couple reasons, but this is ripped directly from it. I think why I am accepting of this and not calling it a ripoff, not calling it, you know, just (laughs) kind of (laughs) stealing the glory of Nomadland, I would really argue that it is – More acceptable because it's a format for storytelling. I think we probably will see a few more of these in the coming years where there are real-world people interwoven in our story through some sort of interview segment.
0: And so is it real-world people in interviews and it's – They're part of the story is a real world pretending to be real world. It sounds weird, but we also did recently in the past few weeks when Harry met Sally.
1: Mm, mm, Oh,
0: and there's and there's those real world. You are always surprising (laughs) me. What is wow? Good good
1: callback. He's paying attention.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I turn on the mics and I pay attention. That's my job. Uh, (laughs) But you know what I mean? That was just like interviews of real people thrown Mm. in the film. Was it like this callback, or was it real people acting? But they're you know what I mean?
1: No, it's definitely. Well, I mean, Harry Mansali was real people, but I think there was too much of a punctuation point to those interview segments. And uh, if I remember, I was kind of lukewarm on their inclusion. They're cute, but not. You, li- really you liked it, but adding. you would, it's Right, you were yeah.
0: hoping. I think with Harry Mansali, you were saying they could have dropped in. The real people, whatever they were talking about with Mm -hmm. the real world Mm -hmm. things, they could have dropped it into the storyline better to to fit what was going on.
1: Implemented it. Where that is there, that is certainly with Nomad Land as well. I think where it is a step above Nomad, though Nomad Land, though to be fair, a little bit ripping off of its style, is that those interview segments in Nomad Land was just for the curiosity of Francis McDormand's character with people living the life. Okay. Where Joaquin's character in this is. He's an interviewer, so it makes ah. sense that we see him in the day in the life doing these interviews. And not only that, the kids' stories, the 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 children speaking about you know the many different topics that are covered in these interview segments, mm-hmm. they weave into the drama so wonderfully. So it's
0: very fluid almost throughout the film. The way exactly. the, the way it comes in and out. Okay, very yeah. cool. It,
1: it, I think I think it stands above Nomadland again, despite full credit to Nomadland I mean, for cracking that. When did Nomadland come out? Late 2019? The, no, I think 2020 on the dot. So Maybe they were being filmed roughly at the
0: same time. I wonder, did it, could it take... Be. It or, could you be. know? Who knows, but yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and on the shoulder of giants. You know, uh, every, right, right. everything is on... You know, everything is inspired or everything is... <laughs> we're all hacks. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think... Why I think it stands out better is, again, the particular implementation that this is tying into Joaquin's character specifically and uh, that it pushes the boundary that the stories that are being told interweave with the themes of what our characters now, our fictional characters, are going through. So, cool, cool. Uh, very interesting, and I'll wrap things up with saying: Overall, I'm I'm a sucker for this type of story, this type of you know father and son figure, uh, Kramer versus Kramer marriage story. I'll bridge over to video games for a second, even like the newest God of War. You know, I, I really love <laughs> the the father figure story, and and, and the, specifically a drama built around the struggle of raising a child where. Y- you know, you, you're not experienced with that. And, and this, there was a lot of melancholy that added to it. I think this movie doesn't have too many twists and turns, but it is a flavor that I wanted all the way through. And, uh, of course, Joaquin is is at the helm of that mm-hmm. and really enjoyable to, to watch in his performance. So we will go ahead and give Come On, Come On an 81. Wow. Saving wow. the day. Saving the week.
0: 81 really
1: good. It's <laughs> yes, really good. Yes. I, and uh, just to just to plug a little quickly, we obviously had the Oscar nominations come out. I was pretty proud of myself for seven out of ten best picture nods already covered on the podcast. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm, um, I'm excited
0: to go through those other three. Then yeah, I, I
1: yeah. honestly thought this was going to be one of them, uh, and no, no Oscar nod. So
0: that's weird. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a was he on there for best actor? or No, I
1: don't think so. Wow, think wow. Okay. So uh, uh,
0: 81. Very, very good.
1: Yes. Absolutely worth your time. And again, maybe a touch of bias there because I really love this type of story. But again, I think what it does to build on that format from Nomadland, definitely worth your time.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite, you know, an hour and 49 minutes as well. I mean, it's just a great, you know, it's, it's pretty bite-sized and, mm-hmm. and, and easy to consume. And mm-hmm. it's, I, it's kind of funny with the black and white. I mean, Belfast was we got a great score. This got a great score. Macbeth it's got yeah, a great maybe, score. Despite maybe, what I said, maybe, maybe I'm a
1: sucker for, <laughs> <laughs> for black
0: and white. <laughs> maybe 824 is on something here. Big yeah, time. Yeah. Uh Very cool. Okay. So 81% for Come On, Come On. That's awesome. Uh, we have one more film left. It's our film that's in theaters now. But before we do that, we're just going to, you know, take a pause here and mention that we are on the value for value model which basically all of you listening we're not treat you as listeners you are producers and the way you produce is you go to the daily ratings.com, you can go to the donate tab and then through any amount of donation donation that you want um, you're helping produce this podcast Vin and I host the podcast you all help produce it and it's not just the podcast it's the site as well you know if if you not if you don't listen to us very often but you're constantly checking the site and you're saying you know Okay, Rotten Tomatoes give it this. Let's see another score here. Let's go somewhere else, because Rotten Tomatoes kinda sucks, you know? And if you're going to the site, visiting it and, and using it, if you could just give some kickback to us and help produce the site. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why we call it the value for value. Whatever value you are feeling you're getting from it. You can put towards a monetary donation for us. You can write in a little note as well. We will read it on the next podcast during this producer segment. It's it's awesome. It build it builds a relationship with you. It builds dialogue with you, and it and it's a good time. And for all those who do help produce the podcast, for all you producers out there, we you know we thank you so much. We love you. And uh, again, we're having a good time doing this and we're we're building something special. So, again, it's at dailyratings.com. You head to the donations tab, it's whatever amount of value you feel that you're getting from us.
1: Mm -hmm. And we want to hear from you, most importantly.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's a direct line to you and a direct line from you to us as well. So, it's pretty great. And all right. With that, we're going to move on here to our In Theaters Now. So, (laughs) you know, it's something that the Kane Mutiny couldn't even bring up or or, or do better for Vin here. But, uh, okay, so this is our new release. It's in theaters. This is uh 2022 release. It is Moonfall, directed by Roland Emmerich. And, Vin, what do we have here? Yes,
1: yes, so Moonfall. Um, Tom, let me tell you, uh, like I said before, I, I I really have been falling in love with how the podcast has challenged me to watch new things that I normally wouldn't watch. Folks at home, I mean, when when we were doing this, you know, just for the sake of it, you know, this was just me watching what I what I wanted to watch no matter what. So it was a lot of sci fi, you know, uh, things like Fred Astaire and whatnot. You know, it was just where I wanted to go with it. I think. Uh, are, you, it, are you
0: saying you weren't excited about film? <laughs> I'm getting, picking up that you weren't excited up, to see uh, this film. Uh,
1: a tinge of uh, a tinge of regret having to watch moon- Moonfall. I I bring this up because I would not be caught dead uh, <laughs> watching this movie. Uh, it's been a very long time since I've seen something so uh, so dumb. Wow! So much money put into it. It is uh, it is something else. And, and I mean, maybe the uh, why I'm bringing this up in this way is is maybe if. You're, you're, you're trying to do a, a drinking night with the boys, and maybe you, you go out and you want to just, you know, see just a, an intentionally bad movie. Maybe this hits it there. Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, that, you know,
0: sometimes you need those films.
1: Yeah, Sometimes, sometimes. But uh, for the most part, I would say coming out very, very cold on this film. <laughs> uh, the plot is the moon is falling. That's the story. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the story, folks. Uh, this is like Independence Day meets 2012. It is... Which it, Roland Emmerich did. Both,
0: yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah, so it really is a blending of Roland Emmerich's style of space-based disaster movie. We have your blockbuster science-led action movie and then throughout the uh, the film we have sprinklings of geo-destruction type of disaster movie. I would say if there is any place to give a bit of praise is in the CGI because I think there are some some breathtaking moments especially as we splash into that geo-destruction, but I'll get to it in in some of my uh, my closing <laughs> notes. Take a look back at day after tomorrow. Take a look back at 2012, and I, I don't think those movies uh, stand up anymore. So it's just a matter of of a ticking clock for for these type of these type of effects. Right, um, right. I, I'll return to some of those notes. Let's talk about <laughs> oh boy, the script's so bad. Uh, <laughs> right from the word go. I mean, wow. We have just God awful acting Halle Berry terrible Real the high. guy from the conjuring laughable um, <laughs> children actors bad not like come on come on like just bad never good, uh, never good thing yeah it, it, and it, it I think it really falls on the script the lines that they have to deliver oh my god the pra- the pacing is just so breakneck uh, the movie has just got no time to waste it is just like
0: it's w- moving quick it's two, it is it's two hours and 10 minutes long.
1: Every line that they deliver is like an entire arc of a character condensed into one. Ah. It's so lazy. It's lazy. It, it's it's lazy. And shallow. It's just it keep it moving. It's you know, Roll, very shallow. Roland
0: Emmerich wrote it too, or co wrote. <laughs> oh
1: my God. What's going on? It seriously feels like an AI wrote this. I know I've what said that. Show? I said that about <laughs> something recently. I, I, it just feels. It feels like if you've oh, ever yeah. seen some of those internet like um, dem- autocomplete type of thing, or maybe sure, like sure, a, your sure. Gmail that auto completes. It feels like they auto completed this script on every line. It, it just. It's you so. You, you think
0: you would be getting better at making these types of films? They're yeah. all the exact same. I, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean I, Independence right. Day, Godzilla two thousand twenty twelve, mm-hmm. Day After Tomorrow. These are the same exact films. In, I know. In, in a certain, like you think be getting better. And maybe... I hope... I mean, Stargate, he's remaking Stargate. Is it's he really?
1: Out. Yeah. Wow. And we talked about Stargate not too long ago, too. And, I, you know, I was pretty positive on him. Maybe there was some nostalgia glasses on. But, you know, I, I think, uh, man, uh, I, I can't stress enough that um, this film is, is nothing new, despite very shiny and big blockbuster sure, you sure. Know, money behind it, you know? Uh, if anything, it, it feels dated in its kind of disaster movie style. Holly Berry can be good sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> she, can, she, she can. She can. She's definitely not in this one. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. I wouldn't blame Holly Berry. That's where I'm, I'm putting emphasis on the script because everyone's bad. Ah. I don't have much too much ro- watch time with – um Patrick, our, Patrick Wilson? Yes, yeah. yes. He's in the Conjuring movies and whatnot and – he was laughable. I I don't understand. I was like, <laughs> wow. I don't think I will watch the Conjuring movies now because he's that bad. I I think it has to be a little bit more of a blanket criticism to the script because no way are all these actors just giving that much of just an ass performance. Okay, it it okay. really is bad. Okay, it, it gotcha. It really is bad. What I can't <laughs> stand about this film, what I hate about it so much, is it goes through such lengths to make the characters have just this like these 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 family stories and, and be broken and uh, the, while the side stories are meaningless <laughs> leading up to the uh, to a point. I was almost saying like, w- why am I so dumb? How did I not see this coming? Of course, it, while they're up in space, the side stories, the family stories, are there to give us fodder, emotional fodder, for while the geo destruction dis- disaster movie is happening on Earth. Right. And and again, I can't stress enough, visually kind of stunning i think it's going to be dated after a while but i just it's so meaningless because i never cared about these family plots to begin with and in no way is anyone in in goddamn danger right Right, right. it's terrible (laughs) it's just so awful it's just meaningless and serves as fodder for a cutaway when the plot gets up its up its own ass <laughs> in the third act because if I told you, wow, the plot of Moonfall gets overcomplicated, you're like, are you sure? Yeah, it gets overcomplicated <laughs> in the third act against all all odds, if you can believe it. Let's talk about our main guy. What is his name again? Patrick? What? Patrick?
0: Patrick Wilson.
1: Patrick Wilson. He is such an idiot in this. Uh, <laughs> for a, for an astronaut, I was like, is this guy an astronaut? It's a very or good not? point.
0: It's a very good point.
1: I mean, it's just—it's just ridiculous. Halle Berry is a joke. I legit laughed four times on her line delivery. Really? It, like, like, and not comedic. Like, it's—it's so, it's just that
0: bad. It's that bad.
1: It's so bad. It's it's, uh, and you know, again, the supporting cast, the the family tie stuff. I'm not going to talk about too much because it really is uh, fodder is the word. Uh, it's it's just to have a perspective. Of you know, boots on the ground while the disaster is happening. Our main third, uh, is the guy from Game of Thrones, and much like Godzilla versus Kong, we have, we now have a wacky conspiracist character in our main way that we're oh. cons- you know, yeah. Why is this becoming a theme? Because, Al- so it's, it's how long
0: is Alex Jones
1: going to look alike be-
0: gonna be? Exactly. I mean, it was a new Spider Man movie, which I thought it was in-
1: cool in Spider Man not it's now being overused you know the the Alex Jones I think it's been it's just
0: like how are you longing to milk it's one guy it's just like he's not in the news all that much it's like really yeah I mean it goes all the way back to uh, Godzilla vs. Kong yep that's it, what.
1: That's what exactly what I mean. It feels like we're probably going to get every, like a yearly character like this. You yeah, know? Oh, I
0: think it's every single somewhat apocalyptic film or, or anything like that. Any any film where a city is being destroyed in some sort of way, mm-hmm. you need to have some sort of conspiracy theory as Alex know, Jones guy now a
1: cover up. Or it's know.
0: just like very good being there, done that, and can we get something more interesting now?
1: Exactly. It's laziness. And it's laziness. And when the reveal of it is that oh maybe there were a little right all along, it's just like okay, well then I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> the most hardcore product placement for a car I've seen in a while. This is a straight up Lexus commercial. Okay, <laughs> uh, one of the characters they make goes, money somehow. I don't yeah, think, I don't think
0: <laughs> they're gonna get it in the blockbuster. <laughs>
1: One of the characters goes, let's throw this shit into hyperdrive or let's throw this into overdrive. And, he, and and there's there's just a lingering shot on slowly, like in this chase sequence, slowly the character's fingers going on the knob inside the Lex- Lexus dashboard and going from like cruise to comfort to sport. And then he takes off. Like, it's just so it's bad. It's a commercial. It's, it's just so a commercial. Bad. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, folks, hope that the spoilers aren't too <laughs>
1: Spoiler alert for, yeah, for, yeah. for, for Lex, Lexus. Lexus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know we're all looking forward to the uh, the, <laughs> the Lexus post credit sequence. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, I, where I want to end talking about this is really talking about special effects in these movies. It is certainly flashy. It is certainly big. And I won't lie. I mean, I think the design uh, and the creativity to the premise of the moon falling, there, there's there's some cool incorporation of science and and you know there, there's elements there of there's definitely care put into. The type of destruction that would happen from this—water uh, rising and you know crazy tides and things like that—and th- there's there's some there's some good thought there. I, I don't want to dig into it too much because obviously there's probably a massive CGI team behind this, pour- pouring their hearts into this, oh, and making yeah. this, yeah, you know, definitely. Uh, and and have totally no control over over what's going on here but uh you know with when it comes to these disaster movies and and if anything uh, it's perfect that we're talking about this in February uh, the oh holy of Fred Astaire February. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about a a classic disaster movie called The Towering Inferno mm. with Fred Astaire The Towering Inferno historic film about a building that's burning down that is close to three hours long, very self indulgent, huge cast, and all about the disaster. Uh, this was pre podcast, but we talked about the tarring Furno, Tom, and not too long ago. And my same belief is my same belief with any kind of disaster movie as it comes out. It is only a matter of time until the special effects run out. So if I'm going to defend if anyone hmm. is going to defend Moonfall and say, hey, these special effects, that that is what you're watching for. You're not watching for the characters, you're not watching for the script. You're right. watching for this right, destruction, right. this this visceral, you know, does you know, that's gonna run out. That is going to get very old fast. And well, it's
0: like jingling key- keys in front of a baby. Yeah. The baby's only going to be so like happy about it for so long.
1: It's going to wear off. Yeah. Or there's going to be a next greater version of it, possibly even directed by Roland
0: Emmerich. <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> that right. That he's going to outdo himself. And That's guess exactly what? Now right. this is
1: outdated. Um, I think why I want to bring something like that up with, with The Towering Inferno is that we watch the movies in the present day. And there's going to be a time where the only positive about this movie being the CGI yep. is going to fall by the wayside and what is left. What is left is eight. Terrible, terrible movie with a script that is so unintentionally funny because of how how laughably bad it is. Garbagio. And uh, I can't stress enough uh, whether it is now, All the CGI is pretty, but definitely uh, to have a consistent perspective on disaster movies and this movie specifically moving forward into the future. Maybe, you know, hopefully future proofing my rating of this movie <laughs> I really do not think Moonfall is worth an ounce of your time we will go ahead and give it a 14%. Ooh, we got in the teens. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Okay, boy oh boy. I told
1: you it was all over the maybe map. Maybe if the
0: time the as CGI as it looks worse and worse as the years go by maybe the film actually gets better because like <laughs> right. it just turns into a stupid movie. Right.
1: It becomes more of a comedy than wow. anything.
0: Wow. So what you're saying is you still didn't find as you said when you watched Soylent Green Mm. searching for that lost you know what's that other big movie that was sci-fi movie that we missed so this wasn't on the heels (laughs) Wasn't on the heels of a two thousand one no, or anything like that. No, okay. certainly
1: not. Unfortunately. Believe me, I, I was I was hoping, but well, this is
0: a bad movie for Roland Emmerich, fourteen <laughs> percent.
1: Yeah. Uh I mean, granted That's hilarious how bad I haven't is. like critically watched like a two thousand twelve or day after tomorrow, but Maybe we'll s- do a Roland Emmerich
0: special. Oh boy.
1: <laughs> Heaven forbid.
0: Oh boy, okay. Oh, oh boy is right.
1: I think the main win that comes from here is that uh, I-, I was just so immensely pleased that in no way this movie was better than the Cane Mutiny. Yeah, I was
0: going to say so. The Cane <laughs> Mutiny, all in all, it was much better. It
1: was absolutely. It was a step up, a, a significant step up. Wow, for sure. But I, I was just happy that. I didn't have to do the unthinkable. And <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, wow, okay. So ending it with a fourteen percent throw moonfall. Vin, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, or should we roll credits on listen,
1: this? Listen, listen. No joke. I, I as much as I poke fun at it, I I, I think my enjoyment here is that I, I, you know, I really wouldn't be caught dead watching this film. This is not, you know, even with the sci-fi dressings, this is not my type of film. I there is enjoyment in. In just the same way that I need to have perspective to call something good. I need to flesh out the bad. And this is about no, this as is worse doing, as it comes. Yeah. <laughs> this is, it doesn't get much, much worse than this. It definitely doesn't. It definitely doesn't. So uh I, I there there is some enjoyment in there, you know, don't get me wrong. So um <laughs> producers, you want to throw some bad stuff my way, I will uh, I will I will take it on the chin. Uh but uh yeah, the moonfall. <sighs> It was something I was dreading the entire week. You were, up you to were. It. Dreading I was it. texting. Yeah, I was texting you about it. You it was... were,
0: un, you were displeased with <laughs> having to having to do it. Yeah. And, another, and that goes back to the you know to you producers. You know, it's sometimes we do five films a week, and mm-hmm. sometimes Vin is. I mean, legit. You're not just sitting. You don't. You don't quit going to theater with your notepad and then then you're in right. I mean, Dune you saw multiple times before. Yep, absolutely. Matrix you made sure you saw three or four times before giving the review. Like mm-hmm. there is absolute. Care put into these numbers. Yeah. And even if you don't agree with you, you can't say that it's just a throwaway or you're being bought out like Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, sure. It's just like the numbers that you give, there's a reason behind the numbers. You mm-hmm. do take, not, not pride into them, but you take it very, very mm-hmm. seriously. Mm-hmm. And for everyone at home, for the producers listening, like that's what your money is going towards. You know, Mm -hmm. it it takes some time, and it definitely takes you know a little bit of money as well to do this. Yeah, and a lot of time. And you know, it's helping us. We're having a good time with it, and what you guys are doing for us—that that giving back that you're doing to us, helping us helping produce this. That's what you were all doing. You're you're helping this along so much. You're giving us a reason to continue and 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 everything like that. Because mm-hmm. someone needs to do the fourteen percenters, and I don't want to watch them. <laughs> you know, you or, don't you don't want to waste your time doing oh, it. Definitely not. Definitely uh, everyone not. listening out there, and, and so you know, if if you could go to the donations tab on Daily Ratings, <laughs> that way we can keep Vin in pain and keep the fourteen. <laughs> you know, keep keep the fourteen percenters. Uh, go, go, go yes yeah. exactly right exactly you, right you
1: bring a great point though because even with the Kane Mutiny I could just say oh this is a classic Humphrey Bogart and be done with it you know believe me I'm going right, in critically right because the pressure would be to do that exactly that would be the easy way out right, like, right oh yeah you gotta watch it you right know what I mean? just be like everyone else I, and, it, but it, seriously you know that that's the same type of scrutiny and, and again it's it's always with the objective what is worth your time and you know hopefully hopefully saving you some time
0: yeah definitely And I think you saved us a decent amount of time on this one here Ben <laughs> uh, but Hey, we thank you, Vin, for stopping by. We'll see you next week. For everyone listening here at home, we're going to go through it one more time. We have Easter Parade uh, with a 67%, the Cane Mutiny with a 39%, Soylent Green with a 46%, Come On, Come On with an 81 and Moonfall with the oh-so-great 14%. We thank you so much for listening, folks, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. <music> you enjoyed the podcast if you would give us a good rating or tell a friend about us if you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you just like to see more movie ratings from vince be sure to stop by the daily where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films also if you found value in the podcast or our site become a producer and go to the donations tab on the daily you can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us you'll get a producer mention on the next podcast episode too because we're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.